Well, we've been in a preaching series called Joseph. And even though he lived 3,600 years ago, even though he lived uh, 1,600 years before Christ, it's like his life is just as much applicable then as it is right now to us. And the theme we've been looking at as we look through his life has been this, that you're going to make it. You, it may take longer than you thought it would take. It may be harder than you thought it would, but you're going to make it. That's the theme that we've been looking at. You know, it reminds me of a story that I heard about a, a, a couple in their 20s. They're dating. They've been dating for a couple of years. And, and the young lady, she's getting very frustrated where the relationship is going or maybe not going. And she's been waiting for him to pop the question, but he just won't do it. And she's like, man, she's really impatient with the whole scenario. And so one day he says, hey, I'd like to take you out to our favorite Chinese restaurant this coming Friday. She thought, here it's going to come. This is the day. She's, he's going to pop the question. So they go to their fine, favorite Chinese restaurant. They sit down and they look at the menu and he's staring at it and she's not even thinking about the menu. And he says, you know, uh, how do you like your rice tonight? Fried or do you like it white? And she replies, I like my rice thrown. That's how I like it. (laughs) That was funnier than that, I thought. The nine o'clock service laughed harder, I think. (laughs) But it's hard to wait, isn't it? It's hard to be patient. It's hard. I I love how one author, he gives us insight into this whole idea of having patience and waiting. No matter who we are, no matter what age we are, we're all in the business of trying to be patient. We wait um, in the checkout aisle. We wait uh, at the restaurant. We wait for our Amazon packages to be delivered. We wait on the phone to talk to a real person instead of machine. We wait all the time. Some of you are actually trying to, you're thinking to yourself, when is this pastor going to get done preaching so I can get on with the rest of my day? We wait, we wait, we wait. We try to be patient, but we struggle. Full disclosure, I struggle with patience on an ongoing basis as well, no doubt about it. One of the things that drives me crazy is just getting gas, getting gas. So what happens is I pull up, go out of my car, go to the pump, and there the screen prompts you. So I slash my card. That's the first question it asks. And then it asks you, are you a member? I said, no, I'm not a member. And then it asks Zip codes. I type in my zip code. Oh, and it's wrong. So I have to go back. I had to slash my card again. Are you a member? No. Zip code. Type it all in. What kind of gas? 87 octane. Are you a member? No. Would you like a car wash? No. Would you like a, get a massage? Yes, I'd like a massage. I mean, full disclosure, I'm just, I'm not that patient of a person. I don't like waiting. I want to get gas. I want to get going. But this impatience It's intrinsic to all of us because we're broken, because we're sinful. I mean, a youngest of child screams and cries for their milk until their bellies are full. It's an example of the flesh nature and the battle that we have within us. Researchers, they polled 7 million people and they found out through the course of events that if a person has to wait longer than two seconds for a website to load, they say that they'll go off the website. You see, here's the, here's the deal. The instant is no longer good enough for us. It's got to be faster. You know, I've heard it said this, patience is what parents have when there are witnesses. 
You know, we try and we fake it sometimes, but man, the fake can only last so long. And before you know it, once again, we are displaying our true colors of impatience and not wanting to wait. But the truth of the matter is, is that patience is the hardest when it comes to the real big stuff in our life, doesn't it? We're on the path road to success, and that path is blocked by a circumstance, fallen tree in our life, and we have to wait. We're, we're impatiently waiting for the doctor's report, or we're impatiently waiting for that child to come back to the Lord that we've been praying for, or impatiently waiting for that diet to finally bring about the pounds that we've been wanting to lose for a long, long time. Or we've been patiently waiting for a baby finally to come to us. Or we've been patiently waiting for that college acceptance letter. Or patiently waiting for that sermon to get to the point, to get on with our day, right? We've been patiently waiting the big things in our life. And it's so very hard, though, to be patient and to wait. You see, when we're in God's waiting room, it seems like time is crawling by. It seems like time even stands still. We've been talking and learning about Joseph's life. We've learned that Joseph, he's born into a dysfunctional family. He's got multiple stepmoms. He's got multiple stepbrothers. He's the Bronze Age example of a dysfunctional family. If you have one of those, hey, you can relate to our boy Joseph. The brothers who are jealous throw him in a pit. Then they sell him off to slavery. He finds himself in Egypt. Then he's then he's um, truly uh, thrown into a dungeon because he was unjustly accused of something for standing on his principles uh, when his boss's wife throws herself at him. And now we get to Genesis chapter 40. And if you would, turn there with me. Genesis chapter 40, verse 1. And if you have a smartphone or a tablet or the Bible in front of you, turn to Genesis chapter 40. You know, we don't, Put the, the, uh, the scripture on the screen for a reason. We don't do that because we want you to read it for yourself. We want you to follow along. It'd be too easy for us to put it on the screen. We want you to have a copy and to read along God's word together. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 40, verse 1, and we're going to look at the first three words together. It says this, Some time later. I want you to stop right there. Now, I don't know what translation you have, but that's not to mean that it's just been a couple weeks he's been in the dungeon. It literally is talking about that he has been in the dungeon for years and years. He is patiently waiting. And we continue to read, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. So you have Pharaoh, and he seems as hot-headed as Potiphar was when Potiphar throws Joseph in the dungeon. Pharaoh basically doesn't like the cupbearer and the baker, and so he just throws them in prison. Wouldn't it be great? Someone bothered you? Just like, go to prison. That's all it would take. There Pharaoh throws them, but now they're sovereignly placed under the watch care and management of Joseph. So the cupbearer has a dream, and the dream has to do with these three branches. I'm going to summarize chapter 40 for you. And they're squeezed in the, into a cup, and the cup 
cupbearer gives the cup to Pharaoh and he drinks. And Joseph translates the dream and Joseph says, well, this is what's going to happen in three days. You're going to get out of the dungeon and you're going to be doing that to the king or the Pharaoh once again. And, and, And then Joseph says, hey, when that happens, just remember me. Just remember me who interpreted the dream and did all these good things for you. Well, the baker's like, well, hey, that's good news. Hey, will you interpret my dream? So he gives him his dream. It has to do with bread on his, on his head. And these birds are taking the bread. And Joseph says, okay, your dream means that in three days, Pharaoh is going to have you put to death. I, I think at that point, the baker would have been like, I want his dream. Can I get his dream? Sure enough, three days, the baker is put to death. And then we come to the end of chapter 40. Now, what we get to at the end of chapter 40 is is verse 23. And and you can look at it with me in your Bible. It says, The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. I want you to underline that. He forgot him. There's many rules about studying the Bible because it is the greatest book ever written, inspired by the sovereign God. And many times the end of a chapter will give us a highlight, will give us something that will uh, be more importance and significance in the rest of the chapter. And I believe that is the case here. You have Joseph in prison, in the dungeon, and he's been forgotten. Can you imagine? He's sitting there on the ground in the dungeon. Is this going to be the day when the cup when the cupbearer is going to remember? Is this going to be the day when the cupbearer is going to remember? Is this going to be the day when the cupbearer remember? Day after day after day, he's forgotten. Have you ever felt forgotten before? Have you ever felt like that nobody is remembering you at all? This is Joseph. I know I've struggled with this. If I'm going to be honest with you. And then we come to chapter 41 in Genesis, and we look in verse 1, and it says, When two full years had passed, two full years, Joseph is serving in the dungeon for many, 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 many years. He's forgotten. And then Pharaoh has a dream. And as we continue to read into Chapter 41, I'll summarize the dreams of the Pharaoh. Basically, he dreams that he's standing at the Nile and there's these healthy, fat seven cows and they're grazing and enjoying themselves. And then these very unhealthy, almost dying cows consume the seven healthy cows. Then in verse 5, he has another dream. And then basically it's the same idea, but he's full grains of wheat and heads of wheat. The seven healthy ones are overtaken by parched, wind-burned heads of uh, grain. He wakes up in the middle of the night, obviously. He doesn't know what's going on. He goes, that's the last time I'm eating Taco Bell, you know, for dinner. And he calls all the magicians in. He calls all his wise men in. He goes, hey, I need you to help interpret this dream. What does this dream mean? And then all of a sudden the cupbearer remembers. Have you ever had that moment when you remember that you've forgotten something? (laughs) Have you ever had that? I have. Like I'm sitting in a meeting and all of a sudden your wife texts you and she says, did you remember to pick up your daughter? And you're like, not that I would know how that feels, right? But some of you have done that in your lifetime. The cupbearer has this thought in this moment. He's forgotten Joseph. So, hey, Pharaoh, I have a guy. Bring the guy in, Pharaoh says. He brings him in and he cleans him up. And there Joseph listens to the dream of Pharaoh. And then Joseph interprets the dream. He says, Pharaoh, you're going to have seven years of plenty, and then you're going to have seven years of famine. 
make hay while you can. Now, if you could have been in that courtroom scene, not the courtroom scene that we think of today, but in a king's court, picture yourself, think of like a medieval type of environment, and there Pharaoh sitting on the throne, they considered him the sun god himself, uh, or Ra had given um, this man to the people. He's considered a god, so there's obviously a little more height to where he's sitting. He's looking down at his subjects, and he's thinking, who am I going to appoint this very special project? He goes around the room and his eyes are scanning all these people, not you, not you, not you, and then Joseph. You, Joseph. Can you imagine? I wrote this down. You've got Joseph. He moves from a pasture to a pit to a prison and now to a palace. It's a, it's a beautiful story. Aren't we glad that Joseph waited? All the pieces coming together do you know that God is operating in the same way in your life right now, that he wants to do the same type of things in and through your life? But yet we struggle so much, don't we, with the timing and his calendar God has for us. We're impatient. We don't like waiting. Now, I, I want to come back to Joseph in a minute. But for a, a few minutes, I want to talk to you about why it's so hard for us. It's so, so really hard for all human beings to wait and to be patient. There's three reasons why. The first one is this, because we love resolution. We love resolution. We want to know how and we want to know when it's going to be resolved. We've got a problem. We've got a situation. Hey, hey, when is this going to be resolved? And how is this going to be resolved? Israel's a good example of that. Their prophets prophesied and said, you're going to have a Messiah. And they said, okay, when is this going to happen? And how is this going to happen? And, and, and they began to try to figure out when and how. And years and years and years this is happening in and through their life. And this doesn't happen the way they want. And so they start creating their own case scenario and they try to fill in the gaps where they feel like God is not resolving things. And we're not much different, are we? We love knowing the end of the story. We, we love knowing how the conversation is going to go and how the job is going to end up and, and how the story is going to play out. I mean, honestly, the only thing we kind of tolerate a little tension in is movies, only because we know in two hours we're going to know the resolution. But there are some of you in this place right now, you can't even handle that. Before you go to a movie, I know who you are. You'll go look it up online what the end of the story is because you can't handle it. And you know who you are because we hate to not have resolution. The second reason why we, it's difficult for us to be patient and wait is because we love to be in command. We love to be in control. We want to command. How many control freaks, command freaks are here this morning? Raise your hands up. Come on. I'm one of you, all right? We're all in this thing together. Some of you literally will not raise your hand because you don't want to be, you want to be in control. You're like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> You're the same people that look up the end of the movies. There's a movie, it's called Click. Uh, Adam Sandler's in the movie, and he finds this time machine device 
of sorts, and basically he can rewind life and become a time machine, and then he can pause life or mute life or mute individuals. Wouldn't that be nice? We had to mute individuals whenever you want. Or to fast forward your life. And so basically he has this device. He can control his life and going backwards and forwards and stop and all the kinds of things. We want to be in control. We want to have command of our life. This is something I struggle with. This is something that, that if I were to be honest with you, this is me. <laughs> I struggle. I mean, I mean, just true story. I, my daughter was getting ready to have surgery. And, and I called the hospital. My wife and I were calling the hospital, mostly because I wanted to call the hospital. I'm like, get how much it's going to cost. And they're like, we don't know how much it's going to cost. No, 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 I really want to know how much it's going to cost. They can't tell us. I give them a range. Here's a small amount. Here's a big amount. They won't tell me. It drives me crazy because I want financial control. I want to be in financial command. And the third way we find it difficult to wait and to be patient is because we want to know if anything good, anything productive, anything effective is taking place. Like we can't sense that it's happening. We don't think progress is being made. It's unoccupied time. And it's a waste. And so we don't want anything to do with it. There was a True story, there was a group of executives that were given a problem. Uh, a bunch of people were complaining that it was taking too long for them to get their bags at the Houston airport, one of the biggest and most uh, trafficked airports in the world. People were complaining it was taking too long from their plane to the carousel to get their bags and to go. So these executives come together and miraculously, they shrink the wait time down to eight minutes. Eight minutes for you to get your bags, be on your way from the plane. But they still had just as much complaints as they did before. And so they begin to study the situation a little more and they discover that the plane would land, the people would get out and they'd get to their gate in one minute and then they'd wait, unoccupied waiting time for seven minutes. So they thought, okay. So what they did is they moved the gate farther away from the baggage claim, kept the same process. So now they're traveling five minutes to get to the baggage claim, waiting for three and they didn't get any more, comp uh, any more complaints. We don't like waiting. We don't like wasted space, unoccupied time. This is what we struggle with so often. But hear me now that God is always at work in the waiting. Some of you right now need to hear that, that God is at work in your waiting. You got to get this, friend. You can't move on from this moment. You've been waiting. You've been impatient. You're twiddling your thumbs, thinking that there's nothing going on. God is at work in the waiting. Look, here's the deal. If you don't get this, okay, it's going to end real bad for you. <laughs> You're going to be like a cat with a long tail in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> I mean, you're going to be fidgety. You're going to get angry. You're going to get nervous. You're going to walk around all stressed out all the time. It's another reason why cats aren't saved, all right? They're not going to go to heaven. But in the middle of the waiting, right, in the middle of the waiting, I do know that God is doing something in your life. I want to give you two things that God is doing in and through your life in the waiting. The first one is this, that God is building your life. He's actually at work in the middle of your waiting. You're thinking, okay, well, what is he at work in my, my life, right? What is he building? Well, the first thing he's building in your life, he's building your life with humility. 
You see, there's a few things I want you to know about humility. First of all, in the middle of the waiting, you discover that you're not the king of the universe, that your life is not just completely altered by yourself, that ultimately there's this God who controls all things and you don't, and it makes you humble. And when it makes you humble, you begin to understand who he is in relationship to who you are. And when you understand who God is, then you can be able to put your trust in God. And when you be able to put your trust in God, that's as one person said, you become dangerous when you trust in God. We saw that in Joseph's life. He began to humbly trust God. He didn't seek a name for himself. He didn't try to fill the vacuum. He didn't try to get what he could. No, he just trusted in God. And he trusted just like the Apostle Paul said and, and praised that, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You see, when we realize that everything ultimately comes from God, then we ultimately can trust him. We can trust him with our kids. We can trust him with our career. We can trust him with our cash. We can trust him with our pathway. We can trust him with our friendships. We can trust him with our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our circumstances, our relationships. We can trust him with everything. And when we begin to trust him with everything, friends, he's building more and more of our life. Ultimately, humility, it's a, it's a posture of coming to our knees before God. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon, he wrote, let us measure ourselves by our master, then pride will be impossible. He said, pride cannot live beneath the cross. I want to ask you, has there been a moment in time when you surrendered before Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as a sinner, knowing your need of a Savior, knowing that you're broken, that your impatience alone has put you in a place where you will not go to heaven, but to hell for eternity if you not, do not bow the knee to Jesus Christ. Friend, there's always room at the foot of the cross for anyone who will bow in humility. The second thing that God is building in your life, not only is humility, but also staying power. He's building staying power in your life. I want you to know this. Stay the course. Stay the course. Endure. That's what God is building in your life right now. Listen to me. Joseph, he spent 12, 13, possibly 14 years in the dungeon. In none of the way do we get the idea that he backed away from God. What did he do? He leaned into God. So much the case. I hear about it all the time. We have to wait for a week or a month or a year or a decade. And we back away from God. We back away from giving to him. We back away from serving. We back away from his mission. We back away from everything. And then when things get better again, well, then we kind of get back into things. But the ultimate test of our faith is when in the middle of the waiting, we stay faithful. We stay faithful in community. We stay faithful in reading scripture. We stay faithful in trusting him. We stay faithful in giving. We stay faithful in serving. We stay faithful in loving our neighbors. And it's in those moments where Christ is most glorified. 
The Apostle Paul, he said it in Colossians, he said, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. I want you to know something, that in the middle of the waiting, God is building in you a perseverance. You see, this is what he was doing in Joseph, this virtue of perseverance. He is building this in your life. And even when you feel like nothing is happening, God is occupying your life with a new level, a new gear of a stick-to-itiveness, true grit that I'm telling you, we need to have. Lean in, friend, even when you want to lean out. And the third thing that God is doing and building in your life is confident expectation. So often in Scripture, we see connected to the idea of hope and waiting. Actually, in the Hebrew language, the word wait, oftentimes in the Old Testament, and actually when you look at the word, connected is the word to hope. What is the hope in? Well, the hope is expectantly waiting for God to deliver. Just like the theme of our series, you're going to make it. Because God will eventually deliver in one way or another. David said it this way, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait. And his word do I hope. Just as the sun comes up on a new day every day, so does our hope come in every moment of waiting. God is building your life. But number two, God is building the life of others. You see, he's not just building your life, but he's building the life of others. I want you to think about the story for a moment. Think of the timeline of Joseph. He's born in a pasture, basically, and he raises cattle and sheep. He's a shepherd. And then his brother come along and his brothers are jealous and they throw him in a pit. And then you know the story. And then he's sold into slavery and then he's bought, uh, he's sold, he's bought from Midianites to, into slavery. And then his uh, Potiphar's wife throws herself at him and, and then she, he is unjustly accused and he's thrown into a dungeon. And then from the, in the dungeon, then the cupbearer just happened to be there. The baker happened to be there. And then from that point, then he's placed in the palace itself. If there weren't others, God orchestrating along the way, do you feel like he'd ever be in the palace in Egypt? All the pieces had to line up just so and so, or you get a different ending to the story. And so God is doing in our lives. He's building our lives. You know, there's an example of one of the families in our own church, the Kirkland family. The Kirkland family, they're members of our church, and they wanted to have a child. And, and, and they tried, and they tried, and they tried to have a little baby of their own, and they could not get pregnant. So after many, many failed attempts, they decide, you know what, maybe God wants us to adopt. So they go after adoption and they begin to look at this international adoption, actually to adopt siblings. And, the, and they're getting close to adopting these siblings, they're getting to know and they're starting to dream just like we all do. And all these things begin to happen. And then at the last moment, the rug is pulled out from underneath of them and they're left without children. But God was building their life and others. And then as they continue to be faithful, along the way, little Mickey comes along from Ethiopia. And now they have little Mickey. In their life, they would never have been able to put the pieces together until now. You know, I think of my story. You know, my dream was once to become a musician and to um, travel the country and be a professional piano player and artist. 
And uh, my wrist seized up at one point and I lost my scholarship at a conservatory in Ohio. And one thing led to the next. And now I stand before you today completely different than how I thought my life would turn out. But had it not turned out this way, I would have missed out on marrying my bride, Sarah, having two beautiful girls serving in ministry for um, almost 16, 17 years. Now, all of that, it didn't make sense at the time, but now I look at it and I go, my goodness. Wow, God, wow. It might be for you right now that just to be patient one more second might just feel like it's just gonna break you in half. It's like you've been waiting and waiting and you've been patient for so long. I want you to know right now that God is asking you to be patient. God is asking you to trust in this moment. If that's you today and you're struggling with this, there's a, a verse that maybe would be your theme verse. David said to the cupbearer and the baker, he said, do not interpretations belong to God. Meaning this, is he not the script writer? Is he not making all things work together for the good of those who love him? Is he not preparing all things and putting things in place? Is he not the grand weaver? Is he not the sovereign God of all? Is he not Yahweh? He is, and he is writing our story together. And so I want to encourage you to trust him and to wait. In John chapter 14, Jesus would be with his disciples and he says that I'm going away. And when I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And so Jesus would depart from this earth. And now for those of us who are in Christ, we wait for the day that he comes back. But until that day, may we wait. May we be patient. May we keep our eyes on what he has for us. But for some of you, maybe God is waiting on you to make a decision to follow him. And I, want to want, I want to ask you, would today be the day that you make a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Would you bow your head and would you close your eyes? And in this moment now, I want to ask that question. Do you have a relationship with him? And if you do not, I want to invite you to start a relationship and to begin it right now. And what it looks like is for you to tell God where you are and what you need, to put in your whole faith and your trust in him. It's not the words per se that save you, but it's the understanding and the movement of your heart and your life. And the understanding part, the theology, if you will, is this, that there's a God and we cannot have relationship with him and spend eternity with him because of our brokenness, our impatience. But if we understand and come to full grips and put our trust in Jesus, his son, in the fact that Jesus died for us and all of our sins, in the fact that three days later he would raise from the grave, in the fact that because of that he proved who he said he was and in that we can have a relationship with God and there's something different and you're trying to figure it out. That's God tapping you on the shoulder and saying, I want you to begin to follow me.